earlier this year we started off the series called Don't Let God Pass You By, 2010. How many of you were there in that message? You there? Don't let God pass you by, 2010. Yeah? God is a God who hides himself, we studied that. And he wants you to search him out. But not in the sense of an egotistical sense. In a sense of he wants to be searched to be found. So he's he hides himself so to be found. That's a very only God can do that. Hides himself to be found. And God gave a very specific message to our life and he said, Do not let God pass you by this year. And I think a lot of you guys have caught on to God this year, you know? At least I know in my life, Fox News has come down, you know, talk radio has come down and you know, God has told me specific times you have to keep aside for me. You have to pursue me, you know? Uh, uh, and, and interesting, you know, uh, the TV used to always be on in the evenings last year, but after God started talking to me, you know, the TV is pretty much, I, I mean, hate starting the TV now. You know, I would never think about it because I always like politics and news and stuff like that. So, so God has been correcting certain stuff in my own life, so I am sure He's doing it in a lot of your people's lives also. Uh, without taking too much time, this last time, how many of you were there for the message last time? You saw the movie, The Search for Mount Sinai. You all loved it? Yeah. It was good. Uh, uh, there's a great uh, video that we had shown last time, but you're also previously with the message about the search for the real Mount Sinai, which is there now in Saudi Arabia. It's, uh, it's, uh, if you go to, if you want to go to that video, it's, it's a, you can order it online. It's from baseinstitute.com baseinstitute.com and you can order the video called The Search for Mount Sinai. These are two explorers uh, who went about a journey to find the real Mount Sinai. Incredible. Stan, did you see it? You didn't get a chance to see it. Okay. But if you want to look at it, it's an incredible one. It just builds your faith to believe that those things that what the Bible talked about is actually there. You know, the, the power and the glory of God that came down on the mountain, you can see the physical manifestations of that. And the title of the message last time was See that you do not refuse him. It is the same voice. See that you don't refuse him. It is the same voice. The God of the Old Testament, the God that came down on Mount Sinai with all his glory and all his power is the same God that speaks to you and me today. It's the same God who speaks to you in your quiet time today morning. It's the same God. And we carry from there. Why doesn't God who can show up in all glory, why doesn't he show up right now, every time for you? Doesn't, can't he solve all problems? Suppose God just shows up with all his power, right now, and meets your every need. Wasn't that, wouldn't that be easier than the way God who deals with man today? You think so? You think so that God brings all his glory again and again to man? Will that be a better method for man not to sin and man not to fall away and man, for man to believe? How many, how many of you think that's a better way? God shows up with all glory, right? It will be nice. It will be nice. <laughs> be nice. What's that? We keep waiting for that. How many of you have longed to see God in His glory? All of us. All of us. We've sung songs up to it. Oh Lord, you show me your glory. So many times in the church, in the praise, we would say, Lord, let your glory flow. 
Don't you only have it? You know, the interesting thing is, if God shows up with glory, the response of a fallen man is what? Is fear. Great fear. Great fear. How do you know that? Only once in history has God showed up with all glory to a, to a nation that ever, ever, never happened. It's always happened in individual cases, but to a nation, it was on the top of Mount Sinai when God showed up. And that's what we studied last time, that the physical manifestations of that appearance is still there. That top peak, the, peak, the top of that peak is totally blackened with that power. But the bottom line is, what is the response of people then? I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 to 19. And I'll read this. Got that? Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 to 19. And now this is Moses telling the Israelites. It says, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from your midst, from your brother, and him you shall hear. According to all you desire of the Lord your God in Horeb, in the day of assembly, saying, Let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. See, God knows man. God knows that man cannot handle his glory. Cannot. Cannot handle the glory in pure, unadulterated form that they were asking for. They said, no, no, we don't want to see God. I mean, how weird is that? Here we are saying that we want to see God. But the ones who actually saw God say that we don't want to see Him. Say, just give us your word and we'll obey. And God says, what they want is a good thing. And God says, I will raise up another prophet like Moses. And who was that prophet? Jesus. So when Jesus appeared on the banks of, on the, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, and when he started walking and preaching, all the people now wanted what of him? They wanted miracles. They wanted glory. They wanted power. The Pharisees constantly asked uh, Jesus, can you show a sign from heaven? Can you show this? Can you show power? And Jesus constantly has to tell them that, you have to believe me for what I say. You have to believe me for the works I do. You want the glory? You're not going to see the glory right now. You're to see what I'm doing. You're to believe me for that. Why? The same thing. Just because Jesus, God promised. Because it's the same people who said, we cannot handle glory. You cannot handle glory. So brings to the very important point. Now, I want you to get this. Because this is a deception that the enemy builds in as a believer in your life. The deception is, if I can only see God in His all His glory, I will do the things that He's asked me to do. Let me repeat. And this deception wastes years in your life as a believer. What you say is, if only God will show up for me in glory, if only God will do this great thing for me, I will be obedient to the things that He's asking me to do. God says, L negative. <laughs> Let me start again. Let me make a statement and I want you to listen to it. 
and make it a magnet on it. The glory of God is no substitute for revelation. The glory of God is no substitute for revelation in your life. How do I know this? Why is glory not enough? It did not keep the first man from sinning, nor did it keep you. Did the first man see God in all his glory? Did he walk with God in all his glory? Did he fall? So what makes you think that same glory can keep you from not falling? If it doesn't keep the first man from sinning, it will neither keep you from sinning. What would keep the first man from sinning? What would keep if glory does not did not keep Adam from sinning? What would keep Adam from sinning? Revelation of who God is. Revelation on the on the word of God. God showed all his glory to Adam, walked with him in the cool of the day, but yet God had to say that. I command you, do not eat. Why? Wasn't his glory enough? No. His word is enough. Your glory is no substitute for revelation. As, as a believer, and I want, you, I want you to go to a very important uh, verse in Deuteronomy. Our, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 45 to 47. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 45 to 47. Now Moses finished speaking all these words to Israel and he said to them, Set your heart on the words which I testify among you, which you shall command your children to be, to, to be careful to observe all the words of this law. And verse 47. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life, and by this word you shall prolong the days in the land that you are going to cross. You know, Moses is saying, let me paraphrase it, he's saying, I'm telling you these words, these words are not as exciting, as glorious, as powerful as water from the rock, as astounding as the water that, uh, that the, red, the crossing of the Red Sea, it is not as powerful as you, it, as it looks as God descending from Mount Sinai, but let me tell you a secret, Moses is telling Israel, these words are not futile for you, these are your life, you see that thing, do you see that eagerness, when we handle God's word and when we read about God's word, remember, God used that word as being so much more powerful than all his glory put together. You see that? In fact, Moses had to urge them not to, not to trivialize the word that is in, that has been given to them. So when, when you read the word of God in your life and in your quiet time and in your Bible study, in your personal walk with God, remember that word, God will trade all his glory for that word. He will gladly give glory, but he says that that glory is no use to you because you, you cannot live by glory. Okay, let me give you an example. 
boys were there last time, right? You saw that video, and what was the immediate reaction when you saw the video? It was all right, right? Pretty much everybody who saw that video was like, wow, that's like, wow, God really was there, you know? What happened after a week after we saw that video? Nothing. You forget, you don't remember, you're back to your own ways. Did it transform your life dramatically? No. What transformed your life dramatically? Your daily walk with God. Your daily meditation on God's word. You cannot depend on a great church experience. You cannot depend on a great anointing under some great man of God. You cannot depend on a great anointing in a worship service to solve your problems. What is going to solve your problems? It's the word of God. Revelation through the word of God is the only thing that will solve your problems. So you can go from servant to servant, man of God to man of God, from anointing to anointing, and it can, it can, it can give you temporary build of faith, but it is not going to transform your life. Because if God on Mount Sinai could not transform their life, what makes you think glory in any form can transform your life? Why? Because the enemy will want to keep you hungering for glory. All the days of your life, and you will die. And you will not accomplish the plan of God in your life. Let me repeat, because this does this is blasphemy to a charismatic church, right? <laughs> Don't put the cart before the horse. Put revelation first, glory will catch up. Put revelation first, glory will catch up. You don't run after glory. You run after the word of God and revelation. And your glory will catch up. Glory will catch up. You will accidentally walk into glory. <laughs> Lini, that was accidentally walking into glory, right? That day, and she shared many days back when she got a vision of heaven. Was, was, it, was it on purpose? It was not on purpose. She died and went to heaven and saw God's glory. Wasn't it? But and you went a year later to the same place and you felt nothing. For it was nothing about the place. It was not about the people. It's not about anything. Because revelation from that experience is more important than the experience themselves, right? Amen? You can live your whole life hungering for glory and you miss God's plan of God completely. And I want you to go as believers, don't get deceived by the enemy. Because we are living in a time and you will see signs and wonders even in the realm of the ungodly. And if all you have is glory, you will not be able to justify your faith. But you walk on God's word and let revelation, glory bring revelation. If glory does not bring revelation, it's of no use in your life. Let me repeat. If glory doesn't bring revelation in your life, it's of no use. How do I know it? And I want you to get this set so powerfully today. I want you to go here. Before I, before I jump into that point. Why doesn't God want you to live by glory? Because the response to great glory is great fear. God doesn't want to have a relationship based with you on fear. He doesn't. He doesn't want, you know, which of, which of you having a father loves a father because he's powerful? Do, do, do your children love you because you are powerful? Or do, you do your children love you because you are loving? 
love me because I am powerful? No. She loves me because I am loving. Same case with God. God wants a relationship based on love, not a relationship based on bread. Got it? He doesn't want to fear Him. He wants you to love Him. And He always, but when He brings great glory, you will dread Him. He doesn't want that. He wants a relationship based on love. All throughout the uh, Bible, whenever God showed up in all His glory, what is the response of man? Moses, God showed up in all glory. What happened? Moses fell down. Daniel, God showed up. The angel showed up. What was Daniel's response? Fell down. Um, John, in Revelation, he walked with Jesus very closely. But when he saw Jesus in all his glory, what was his response? He fell down. And every time they fell down, what was the response of the angel or God to them? Do not fear. Do not fear. He doesn't want a response in fear. He, never, he doesn't want a response in fear. He doesn't want you to fall down in fear. He doesn't. See, it is man who thinks that, wow, if everybody, if all of them fall down in front of me, wow, I have a good ego too. <laughs> That's man. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to have a response in fear. He says every time when, 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 uh, when uh, Jesus said, throw down your nets and cast, uh, and caught a great uh, catch for Peter, what was Peter's response? Fell down. And Jesus told him what? Do not fear, I'll make you fishers of men. Right? He says, I don't want a response in fear. I want a response in love. You follow me because you love me. You follow me because you love me. And a, and a response in love can only come by revelation of the word of God. Oh, I can tell you so many things about it. You love it. And I bring this out of the passages that you're going to study today. I hope you have time. Have you... Ah, this is... You will love it if you have not seen it. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 4. I'm going to mess up your theology a little bit. Exodus chapter 4 verses 10. I don't know how many... I was, when I first found it, I was telling Bilu and I was like, man, I've never seen that. Exodus chapter 4. And I want you all to tell me what is so exciting about that. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. Now this is Moses at the burning bush. God shows up to Moses on the burning bush and God starts instructing them. Instructing them and says, I'm going to, you do this, you do this, tell them the lie, like Yahweh God, I've sent you, blah, blah, blah. And then Moses makes a statement. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. Somebody can read that loud. Then they are to wrap it and all its accessories. No, Moses, Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Okay. Okay. How many of you have read this verse now? You have read, right? Tell me what is astounding to you. <laughs> what is astounding about that verse? Even after I saw it, it didn't change. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. What is Moses saying? Let me repeat. Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent neither before nor since I have spoken, you have spoken to your servant. How many of you have read that? You remember that? I have, I, you know, Moses had a stammering problem, correct? Right? Moses is very, you know, Moses is 
the most humble of all the people in the Bible. How do we know that? Bible says so. Moses is very frank with God. God is telling, I'm going to take you to Egypt. You're going to do these great miracles. You're going to be the deliverer and teller. And Moses said, Lord, but I have a simple basic problem. I stammered. I stammered before I met you. I stammered after I met you. <laughs> so my question is, what has glory done to him? He was in the presence of an awesome glory presence of God of all this all the all the world. In fact, God told him at the burning bush, he said, Do not come close. You know? That? Where do we see, read that? Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God told him, called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. He said, do not draw near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Why did God tell Moses, don't come close? God loves Moses too much that he will die if he comes close and sees his face. He said, don't come close. Just stand there. Now he and Moses is telling this great God, I stammer. I have slow speech before I met you and even after I met you. So what's the big deal? The deal is God is reasserting the same fact. Glory is no substitute for revelation. And what is the revelation that God is giving to Moses? He says, My glory is not going to heal you. What is going to heal you? My word. And listen to this, the next verse. And 11. So the, the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes mute the deaf and seeing or the blind? Have I not the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you need to say. But Moses said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. In verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is Aaron your Levite your brother? I know he can speak. Well, he is coming to meet you, and when he sees you, he'll be glad in your heart. Let me paraphrase what God is telling here. <coughs> it is right that he could not speak before and he after met, but he was about to be healed. Why? God said, Who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? I made your mouth. So what 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 does God ask you Moses to have? He says, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. You think I cannot heal your mouth? Moses, what is God, what is God asking Moses to have? What is God asking Moses to have? Revelation on who God is. He's asking God to have revelation and Moses to have revelation on who God is. He says, by this revelation you can speak and I'm going to be with your mouth. You go ahead and speak. And then as he will open his mouth, he would speak. By his word, he would be healed. But what did Moses' response was? He says, no, 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 Lord. I don't believe you still send somebody else. What is God's response? God said, and the anger of God kindled against Moses. Why? Because he, because he didn't believe God. You see, the response of God to you and me when we don't believe his word is frustration. 
Not because he cannot, but because we choose not to believe and we limit. So Moses had to live with an Aaron all the days of his life. Not by design, but by his disobedience. Did God allow it? How did God of all the world with all his control, why did he not heal Moses over his will? The same reason he will not transform your life and cause you to win over your will? He will not. You will have to choose by your act of will to say, Lord, I believe. It's not your glory. It's not your power. But it's a revelation of who you are and what you can do for me. And I will believe that. And my miracle will happen. If God is so good, why doesn't he heal everybody? If God is so good, why are you struggling? If God is so good, why is your breakthrough not coming? The problem is, the question is not. The, the question should be, since God is so good, why can't I believe? Since God is so good, why can't I pray for my breakthrough? Since God is so good, what's stopping me from getting what I need? You see the problem? The question is wrong. The question is wrong. The question is always wrong. As believers, the ball is not in God's court. The ball is in your court. All the time. All the time. If God's glory would heal Moses, God would be a partial God. If he can do for him, why can't he do it for me? But God says, I'm not partial. My glory is the same yesterday, today. I don't show my glory because you'll be consumed. But you can ask for everything in power through my word. And my revelation is enough for you. Amen? My revelation is enough for you. My revelation is enough for you. Glory is no substitute for revelation. Let me repeat. Glory is no substitute for revelation. We studied last time. How many of how many of them, how many of, how many people saw God apart from Moses? Physically saw God, not necessarily face to face, but really saw God. How many? Seventy elders and Aaron and two more people. Do you know that? How, how, how many of you know that God they actually saw God just like Moses saw God? Do you want the verse for it? It is uh, Genesis, sorry. Exodus chapter 24, verses 9, 10, and 11. Exodus chapter 9, 24, verses 9, 10, and 11. It says, the elders of God, Moses took the elders of God, elders of Israel, and went up to the mountain, and they saw God, just like God, Moses saw God. And they saw God with all, in fact, they ate and drank there on the mountain, having seen God. You got that verse? Exodus chapter 24 verses 9, 10, and 11. Somebody can read that. Then one of Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the seventy of elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet as if it were paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and they and did eat and drink. What does the Bible say? God did not hide himself from the elders. Did not lay his hand over them. Means they did not hide them from his presence. But he said, you want to see me? Let me show you. And let me ask you a question. Who built the golden calf? Aaron? Yeah. 
The same people who saw God in all his glory 40 days later build a golden calf. Now tell me, how does glory stop you from sinning? <coughs> glory doesn't stop you from sinning. Glory is no substitute for revelation. Glory is no substitute for revelation. 40 days! Memory fades of who God is. 40 days. They saw, they did not have any additional revelation than what Moses had. But Moses believed. They did not. So glory is no substitute. Abraham, we studied that. How many of you read there for the message that God promised God? That was one of the powerful messages that God spoke. It was really powerful. I mean, God promised God. God made a covenant with himself that you will be blessed. And God showed that covenant to Abraham in the in the in the the burning torch and a smoking oven. And he walked in the midst of the carcasses. And God, Moses saw, uh, Abraham saw the likeness of God out there in that midst. And yet, next chapter, Abraham pleaded Sarah and went into Hagar and Hadishman. Glory is no substitute for revelation. In fact, God had to appear again to Abraham and says, Be blameless before me, and I will make you a great nation. You have to trust me, Abraham. Just because there's a delay in what I am, what you have been promised, doesn't give you a license to stop believing me. Delay is no excuse for unbelief. I want you to repeat that because this is the biggest bottleneck as a believer. I want you to repeat that. Delay is no excuse for unbelief. So many people fell at that old deception of Satan. Of delay. You know, before God called Abraham, he called home. His father. You know that. You go back to Genesis. Nahor, who is his father's name? Terah. Who is Terah's father's name? Nahor. Nahor also followed the living God. The Bible talks about it. The name of Terah means in Hebrew means what? You guess? The name of Terah means delay. God told him to go to Canaan. But he came to Haran and stayed. So his name is delay. Then he died and Abraham continued his calling to go to Canaan. But the call to go to Canaan was first for Terah to leave. The land of hope. But Terah is called delay. Many times as believers, we get stuck at delay and we, we misjudge God. Delay is no excuse for unbelief. I'm telling you, Saul, why was he rejected? A delay of a few hours and he offered the sacrifice. Samuel was on the way at Gilgal. But a delay of a few hours and he gave the sacrifice and guess what? The moment he gave the sacrifice, Samuel shows up. And his kingdom and his life completely got snatched away. He could not wait. He could not wait. And so, so, so many times we give up, you know, because we think that this is the time for God to show up. 
you know, because we have, we have been told, you know, God's glory is like this and if God is great, it has to happen and this will happen and relax. Do you have a revelation of who God is? Will this promise ever change? No. If you start having unbelief, it's because you have lack of revelation on who God is. And you need to start correcting yourself. You cannot depend on Lord, I want to go to this moment, I want to go to this anointing, I want to be prayed on by that guy, I want to be prophesied by this guy. Glory is not going to change your situation. Revelation of who God is will. I'm telling you. Otherwise, you will, you will, your whole life will go searching for glory. I know it is, it is controversial, but it is truth. It's a deception. It's a deception. Solomon saw the glory of God enter the temple. And interestingly, in Solomon, he saw glory. And the, the passage is 1 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 11. And you don't have to go there. 1 Kings uh, 11 and 2. We all know Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, the glory of God just flooded the temple so much that people could not stand in their ministry. You all know that, right? Now after that, what happened is you need to go back and read. Solomon stands in the temple and starts telling about the revelation of who God is. Powerful, powerful chapter. Full of revelation of who God is. So he got it right. Glory led to revelation. He knew what who God is and he started talking about who God is. How great God is and God is a God who keeps his promises and God will always answer our prayers and God is good God. And the whole passage of Solomon Revelation, he got it good. Glory came. Solomon did not stop at glory. He wanted revelation. He got revelation. But then what happened? He stopped at obedience. That brings you to the third point. From glory, you need to move to revelation. And revelation, if it doesn't lead to obedience, is wasted. In fact, the Bible so beautifully says, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9. I want you to read that about Solomon. I, I didn't read this before. I never came across that verse. So, so it's such black and white. It says, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord of Israel, who he had appeared to him twice. This is what the verse says. The verse says, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord of Israel who had appeared to him twice. What does it say? Glory is no substitute for revelation. Again, if revelation is not followed by obedience, you can get all the glory, you can get all the revelation, but if you don't obey, you're going to lose out. You have to move from glory to revelation to obedience. You have to move. You have to move. If you are not obeying, you have you are great revelation, but you are not acting on that revelation, you are not obeying when God says, wait. If you are not obeying, when God says, hang on brother, I am going to give it to you, don't persist, or walk this way, don't do that, don't trust your uh, Ishmael's, trust, wait for your Isaac's. You, you have to obey. You just have to obey. Oh, but I have great revelation on God as well. I have great revelation, but I'm going to produce Ishmael's. That's not, that's not obedience. That is not obedience. Revelation has to proceed. So again, the point is, God appeared to Solomon twice. And yet, did not stop him from turning from God. John the Baptist. John the Baptist 
God, more, Jesus said John the Baptist was the most righteous apart from the Son of God ever. Even he could not make it into the kingdom of God without Jesus. But John the Baptist saw the glory of God when he baptized Jesus. Heavens opened, the voice came from heaven that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The physical glory of God descended like a dove and rested on Jesus. And he heard the voice of the Father of the whole universe. And yet, a couple of chapters later, Luke chapter 7, verse 19 and 20, John sends a couple of disciples to Jesus and says, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Glory is no substitute for revelation. Even for John the Baptist, it was no substitute. In fact, Jesus makes a statement to his disciples. He says, Tell him what you see, tell him what's happening. And then he made a statement and says, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And we studied this long, long time. Why was more John the Baptist offended in the prison? John the Baptist said, and this is my take on it, and a lot of other people have concluded that. This could very likely would be. Jesus was doing the miracles, but John the Baptist was still in the prison. It's almost like if you are the son of God, how come I am here, perishing in the prison? But the revelation that God had already given John was, he must increase and you must decrease. But it's hard to hold on all the way. It's hard because to a fallen man, glory is not enough. The word of God is enough. I'm telling you again. You, the glory cannot sustain you, but the word of God can. All he had to remember was, what did the father say? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. I don't care what I feel. I don't care whether I am in the prison. The word of God is not going to change. He is the son of God. Amen? But you are still in the prison. I don't care. But you are being going to be beheaded. I don't care. That's not going to change the fact that the word of God is true. That he is the son of God. I'm not going to send any guidance. Don't ask of him whether you are the son of God. I'm not going to do that. Glory is no substitute for revelation. Now let me give you an example of people who went past glory and went into revelation and obedience. You want to hear about that? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go past that. Let's see. People who went past glory. Man, Jacob. Very interesting characters. You know, think of Jacob as one who went past glory, went into Revelation. Where? Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Can somebody read that? Genesis chapter 30, 32. Verses 24. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob 
but Israel. Whereas a prince has thou the power with God and with men, and has prevailed. And verse 30. And Jacob said, asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after, thy, after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, where I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Wow. Why do I see that he saw past glory? <coughs> Why do I see that Jacob saw past glory and was not stopped there? Everyone else saw God's glory and was consumed by it. And the rest from there. But Jacob did not settle to be for God's glory. He said, no, 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 no. You are God. I don't care. I, you, you may be angel. I don't care. You better bless me. Amen? I don't care about your glory. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not worried about that. I'm not just astounded by who you are. I'm going to wrestle you till morning, daybreak. You are not going to let you go until you bless me. I want revelation. I don't want glory. I want revelation. Tell me your name. Why is Jacob asking God his name? He says, if I can only know his name, I will know what that name means to me. Because every time God names his name, it is not for him, it is for you. Why? Yahweh Rapha means what? The Lord that heals him? No. The Lord that healeth you. Yahweh Jireh. The Lord who? Provides. Provides whom? Provides you. The Yahweh Shama. The Lord who is your peace. Whose peace? Your peace. Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is a banner. Whose banner? Your banner. So God, Jacob is saying, relax. Tell me your name. Because if you can tell me your name, I know what does it mean for me. I want revelation. Tell me your name. And God says, why do you ask me my name? He says, and the, the, the answer is not here, but the response is there. What is the response? What is the response? Tell me your name. And what does God do? No, before that. And what is uh, the response of God? And bless him. God asked Jacob, why do you ask my name? Jacob replied, something not written. But then the response to that reply was what? I bless you. Jacob would have replied, I assume, would be that, I want to know your name because I want to be blessed. Because your name means blessing. Your name means truth. Your name means the word of God. I want to live by it. I want to act on it. I want to, I want to, what's the English word to? I want to cash it. I want to cash it every time. I want to cash it every time. And God said, yes, I'll give you my name. I'll bless you. Amen? He was not intimidated by God's glory. Wow. He was not intimidated. What's your response to God? Oh, Lord, just show up and I'll fall down on my face. And I'll have goosebumps for the next one week and I can share about it in the life team. You know? And everyone will think I'm so holy. No, no, I don't need glory for that. I need glory to, I need revelation to live by. If your revelation, if your glory is of no use to me, and if I stumble, if I stutter after I met you, what use is your glory? What use is your glory if I'm still bad after I met you? What is this use is your glory if I am not healed after I met you? 
It's not because your glory was not sufficient, because my revelation was not enough. My revelation was not enough. And I, want, I don't want to stop at glory. I don't want to stop at glory. Tell, tell, repeat, I do not want to stop after glory, only after glory. I do not want to stop only for glory. Say, I, I, I want revelation. I want a revelation of who God is. I want a revelation. Jacob went through. Glory is fine, Lord, but I want your blessing. I want your blessing. I know you need to be you need to be content with God like this. And you will prevail, the Bible says. The, the violent take the righteous, the righteous take, the violent take the kingdom of God by, by force. You act in force against and God wants that. He wants you to act in force. He wants you to be blessed. If you're not healed, you you have a right to walk in his presence and says, Your name says. Yahweh Rapha. You, you declare that you are, you are a healer. And I am healed, Jesus. You declare you are a provider. I am provided. You are Jaira and you I will be supplied. Amen? You need to walk and be violent with God. Not in a negative sense. Violent in terms of being aggressive, going beyond glory. That's right. To go beyond glory. Second, Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman at the well. It should be in John 14. John 14. Good. John chapter 14. John chapter 4, correct. John chapter 4, we know the story of the Samaritan woman. And verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you want, where do you get this living water? And verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. No, before that, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asked of you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. And and woman said, So you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And then verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said, Go and call your husband and come here. And verse 26, uh, verse 25, I want to go to verse 25 26. The woman said to Jesus, he said, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell you all things. When he, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Why, why do I say that the Samaritan guy pressed past glory into revelation? Why do, why do I say that? What did the Samaritan woman want? What did she want? Living water. Uh, I don't know whether she wanted living water, but she wanted water that will not make her thirst again, and she can avoid the uh, uh, 
the errand of coming to the well again and again. Did she get that water? No. In fact, she did not get that water that will not make her thirst again. The physical water, she still had to come to the well to draw water after Jesus had left. Did she? She could have. The Bible doesn't talk that the well, uh, the her bucket continued to overfill in her house. No. So did she get her water that she wanted? The point is why did it stop her then? Did it stop her? No. Why? She went after the real water. What's the point? She did not stop a thirsty Messiah for quenching her eternal thirst. Let me say this again. She did not stop a thirsty Messiah from quenching her eternal thirst. Why do I say that? Jesus was thirsty when she came to, when he came to uh, the Samaritan woman. In fact, Jesus wanted water from the Samaritan woman. Yet, the Samaritan woman was not ashamed to call him the Messiah. Do you see that? There was no physical glory that Jesus showed to the Samaritan woman. Did he? Nothing that you would attribute as glory. Nothing. There was no miracle water. There was no healing service. There was no great power that he manifested. Yet, the Samaritan woman went to her town and said, Could this be the Messiah? She was not intimidated by the lack of glory. But she wanted revelation. And she got it. You see, when you hunger after revelation, you will get it. You, if you hunger after revelation, you will get it. In fact, Jesus said, if you knew who was asking you for a, a cup of water, you would ask him and he will give you eternal water. And she, while she was bold, she said, are you greater than Jacob? And Jesus said, I am. And she believed. She had nothing to believe on except what he had already spoken to her. But she pressed on to revelation and she believed revelation. So many of us, when God says the word to us, and we like, oh, it's just God's word. Oh, or is it? Is it only God's word? Is it not enough for you? Oh, it's like, oh, but it's only God's word. Oh, let me correct you. Is it only God's word? It is, I mean, only God's word? Let me ask you again. It is whose word? God's word. It is God's word? And it is only God's word? You, because we are captivated by the glory. Start walking in revelation. Walk, walking by revelation. It might not thunder and shake when you take your Bible and study it every day morning. <laughs> but it holds the power to shake you. And you need to be ready for that. Verse three, uh, verse 3. The criminal on the cross. How many of you know the criminal on the cross? Wow. Went past the lack of glory into revelation. How do you know that? You know what did the criminal who got saved say to Jesus? Remember me. Remember me? In your? No. <laughs> Remember me when you come in your kingdom. Talk about revelation. He was in the midst of a crowd that 
who are asking, who are, who are around the cross and said, if you are the son of God, he will save himself. The people who mocked him and said, if he is the son of God, he will save himself. The Pharisees who said, if you are the son of God, he will save himself. He was next to a colleague on the same cross who looked at Jesus and said, if this man who is who he claims he is, he will save himself and save us. In the midst of this clarity of voices, here is a man who had revelation of a crucified guy saying that this man is going to come in his kingdom. He will be a king and he will be coming in his kingdom and I want you to remember me. What is that? That is called pressing through, through glory into revelation. I don't care, Lord, if I don't see glory out here. What glory did the criminal see in Jesus? In fact, his very disciples left him. None. In fact, Jesus said, everyone will stumble because of me. None stayed with her. And yet, this criminal, with everything against him, chose to believe that this man is a king and he has a kingdom and I want to be a part of it. Going past the need for glory. Going past revelation into obedience. I mean, how many of you can be ready for revelation at that level? Lord, I want revelation now. Only when God shows up with all his glory will you believe? Or will you believe when you ask of him to be a man just like Moses? It was your request. You will say, no, the Israelites asked them. But it was you. Because if God would show up in all his glory, you would not believe. It would not stop you. But you wanted a Messiah just like you. But you would not believe. In fact, Jesus had the same problem in the town of Nazareth. He said, he's just a carpenter's son. I know his father, I know his mother, his brother, his sister. And Jesus said, I can do no miracle here. Because you want glory. But what you need to have is revelation. Amen? The criminal on the cross. The final one is Paul. Went past glory into revelation. Man! Paul, because he was not limited by the need for glory, he got revelation like no other apostle of Jesus had. Even Peter was limited by revelation, uh, by glory. In fact, Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, he saw God, Jesus, completely transformed. How do we know this? On the Mount, Luke chapter 9, verse 32. The Bible says, Peter saw God in all his glory. Jesus in all his glory. And yet, who denied Jesus? Glory is no substitute for revelation. But yet, Paul went past glory. He had a revelation of Jesus also on the road to Damascus. But yet, he did not stop there. He said, I will, I will go past glory. And he had revelation of Jesus in terms of the word of God like no one else ever has. In fact, Peter said, God has spoken so many things to Paul that even we don't understand completely. Because, and who wrote the most new episodes in the New Testament? Paul. Because he was not limited by glory. He wanted revelation. In fact, we'll come to a passage which talks about it. In fact, Paul makes a statement in Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. He says, even if an angel preaches something 
a, a different gospel other than what I preach, let it be accursed. What is he saying? If an angel shows up right here and preaches to you a gospel which is different from what I preach, you reject that gospel. But Paul, isn't glory important? No, not if it contradicts revelation. You see, Paul says, I don't care about glory. I want revelation. If the revelation does not line up with the word of God, I don't want that glory. I want revelation. He said, even if an angel shows up, don't believe it. Now, how much, how, how much we will be swayed by an angel, right? <laughs> if an angel really shows up in your bedroom today, will you do what he says you to do? You should not. You should check with what the scripture says. Check. Check. Check with what the word of God says. Check what God says. Does it line up with what God has already been speaking to me? No. If it not, then angels can stay. Angels can stay. What, what are they saying? So I'm not trying to demean glory. I'm trying to exalt revelation. You see? I'm trying to say, pursue revelation. Pursue the word of God. Hunger after God's word and cash it every time. Don't wait for anointing. Don't wait for environment and presence. The word of God, hunger after it. Don't wait to go to church on Sunday. That you, you go there to bring revelation. You, know? you go there to be a blessing to people. You go there to enjoy fellowship. But don't just be limited by that. Ask God, hunger in your quiet time because you have to grow. Time is limited. Time is short. You cannot just be waiting and waiting when the Holy Spirit with all His power is available for you and I to live victoriously. People who went past glory into revelation. In fact, we have a couple more uh, passages but I will quickly run through it. We won't take it too long but God wants you to have faith without drama. <laughs> Let me repeat again. God wants you to have faith without drama. I'll tell you why. Why, why I strongly feel about it. Because the drama can stop you because when drama does not ex exist we think that God is not working. God wants you to have faith without drama. Let me give you an example. John chapter 4, verses 46 to 50. You know, this is the second sign in the, in, in the land of Canaan. The first sign, first miracle was when God, uh, Jesus turned water into wine, correct? The second time he comes to Canaan, there's a noble man whose son is sick in Capernaum. And he knows that Jesus is here and he runs after Jesus and says, Come and he come down and heal my son. Is it a valid request? But Jesus' response to him is very funny. What is Jesus' response to him? John chapter 4, verse 48. Did somebody read that? And Jesus yes. said to him, uh, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. <laughs> Talk about being politically correct, right? Yeah. Here's a man who hungers after you. He hungers after your miracle. 
And this is what Jesus says to him. He says what? Unless you guys see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And he's not telling to people. He's telling to him. Why does he say that? He says, I want faith with a drama. What, what was the drama here? He really did not believe 100%. What was his belief dependent on? He says, come down to Capernaum and heal my son. So this, he said, Lord, you have to come down to Capernaum, but I am in Canaan. No, no, but you come down to Capernaum. And what is Jesus' response? What did Jesus do to him? Verse 40, 48. Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Yeah, and fifth, and keep reading. Sir, come down here, my, my child died. Jesus said, Come to him, throw thy way, thy son live. Amen, believe the word that Jesus has spoken unto him, and he went his way. Went his way. He wanted Jesus to come down to Capernaum. Jesus said, I'm not coming to Capernaum. I want you to believe that your son is healed. And what did the man's response was? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going back. And then he went back. And the Bible says, he and, and when, but as he was going in verse 50, but as he went down, his servant met him and told him, your son leaves. And verse 52, and then he inquired of them at the hour in which he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the, the fathers knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in the whole household. See, he had not completely believed. Only when the healing happened, he realized, wow, it is the same hour that Jesus told me. And it's the same hour that my son got healed. Oh, you know what? Jesus is true. You see? You see the difference? But Jesus knew his heart. And he says, you know what? You want signs and wonders, right? Before you can believe me. You want drama. You want me to come down to Capernaum. Right? You want me to come down and create a big fuss and uh, call a healing meeting and then lay my hands on you and then only you will be healed, right? You can't believe. You can't believe that I can just say the word and you'll be healed. No, 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 no. See, because every time Jesus has seen you heal people, you lay hands. So I need the drama that is associated with that. <laughs> and Jesus says, faith without drama. Okay, do you have faith without drama? Do you always have to have drama with your faith? Can you believe God for his word that is involved? Do you always need to make it a big thing that you have to believe God? Let me give you an example. This is so ridiculous, but this is almost like this. Yesterday, now this is fictitious. Okay? Yesterday I had gone to uh, this uh, place and I uh, I picked up this um, guitar that I had uh, that I wanted I walked into this guy's place and I picked up this guitar and uh, I was, was starting to leave and the guy says hey that's my guitar and he said uh, uh, but I said I want this he said but you can't just take it uh, then what I said you know but I wanted the guitar so I kind of thought about it and then I said Okay, I'll do something. I'll, I'll give you something. Uh, can you give the guitar to me? He said, what are you going to give me? He said, I'm going to give you some colored paper. And uh, the guy said, what are you going to do with colored paper? He said, no, but you just 
if you if you if that is okay, you know, uh, I can keep the guitar. He said, okay, give me the colored paper. So I gave him this piece of colored paper, you know, and I waited anxiously to see whether he will accept it. And guess what? He said, fine, I'll keep this colored paper. And I was so excited because I got my guitar for a piece of colored paper. <laughs> hey, why are you guys looking at me like that? You know what was that colored paper? It was a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> now what is incredible about that example is the drama that is associated with this transaction. There is no need for such drama, correct? Let me ask you again. Is there a need for drama in this transaction? There's no. What an ordinary transaction that involved an exchange of hundred dollar bill for guitar turned into a big drama of faith. Will he accept my colored paper? Is that colored paper enough for him? Is this the right colored paper? Is it the right environment? Is the music playing when he's accepting this colored paper? How is it different from the way you apply your faith? How is it different? But when it comes to faith, we need the drama associated with transaction. But Jesus says this. I want you to believe simply. Let me give you an example. And this is powerful. I will quickly close with that. Jesus says, let your faith operate for you like a servant operates. I'm not saying this. Jesus is saying, let your faith operate for you like a servant works for you. I'm not saying it. Where is it? Let's go to this. Luke chapter 17. You'll love this. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Verse 5. Here is that whole drama with, associated with faith. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be built, pulled up from the roots, and be planted in the sea, and we obey you. And then he goes on to make a statement. And he says, Which of you having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes into from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did that things that were commanded him? I think not. You see the correction? What the apostles are saying is increase our faith. Jesus is saying, your faith is enough. The apostles are saying, increase our faith because we don't have enough faith. And we as believers are constantly saying that our faith is not enough, right? We are constantly saying our faith is not enough. And Jesus is saying, your faith is enough. So then Jesus, the apostles are saying, but what is the problem? He says, because you do not use, you do not expect your faith to work for you as a servant works for you. You need to not thank the servant when he, sorry, you, you, you need to not thank the servant when he walks in, when he has done his work. What do you say the servant? What do you tell the servant when he walks in after he's done his work? Nothing. He says, do some more. <laughs> Isn't it? He says, suppose the servant
servant comes to him and he says, I did this, I did that. Then he comes into your house and he says, what do you say to him? You say, now do this, this and this. He says, use your faith like this. Don't be so dramatic about the use of your faith that the faith has done a great thing. It should, you should operate on faith like a servant operates for you. And Jesus operated like that in his ministry. Have you ever seen Jesus go, whoa, whoa, look at that miracle. <laughs> you know? He never went that. When the, 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 the bread multiplied, the fish became here, he like, wow, praise the Lord, look at this. No. No, in fact, Jesus was so sensitive to, to betray a sense of unbelief that when he stood before the tomb of Lazarus and he prayed and he said, Lord, I thank you loudly because you always believe me. And then he quickly qualified and said, I do not say this because I don't believe you. I don't say it, for, but I say it for the sake of those who are around. He was so quick not to attribute even a little bit of unbelief in his relationship with the Father God. That he says, even my loud prayers, I don't want you to misunderstand that I'm saying it because I have lack of faith. Jesus said, I want you to operate on faith. It's not because you need great faith, you need to have little faith, but I want you to operate, use it like a servant uses it. So every time you use faith, it is not a time for testimony. <laughs> it is controversial, but what I mean to say is, it should, it, should become, it should not be just because. It should be so commonplace in your life. But how much more can I say? What more can I say? Everything is a walk of faith. Everything is a walk of faith. Faith without drama in your life. Expect, expect, like Jacob. Oh, you are God. I agree you are God, but I can wrestle you. Because <laughs> I know I can. You are going to bless me. You need to walk in that revelation. Did Moses ask God to show him his glory? How many of you know that Moses asked God to show him his glory? He did? Where? The burning bush was when God showed his glory, but, uh, but God did not show everything. He didn't show his face. But Moses specifically said, Lord, show me yourself. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Yes, yes. You know that Exodus chapter 3, 33 verse 18. Specific, specific request of Moses to God. Said, show, please show me your glory. And what did God, God show Jesus? Uh, God showed Moses. Exodus chapter 34 verses 5 and 6. God put him in a rock and he said, you cannot, you cannot bear my glory. You cannot see my face and look. I'm going to hide and I'm going to pass by. And then he said, I'm going to declare my name. I'm going to declare my name. And what is that? I want you to go there because it's, it's so important. I'm going to declare my name. Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34 verses 5 and 6. 
Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and the children to the third and the fourth generation. When God, Moses said to God, show me your glory, what does God show Moses? What does God show Moses? His name. Same. God doesn't show just glory. He gives him a revelation of who he is. Because you can live by that name. He's a merciful God. He's a good God. He's a kind God. He's bless you. He'll forgive you. See, when God, when you ask God for glory, He gives you His word. When you ask God for glory, He gives you His word because you can live by His word. You can live by His word. A quick question. When Jesus rose up from the dead and He went and appeared to the disciples, did He appear to His disciples in His glory or just like any other ordinary man? Just like any other ordinary man. On the road to Emmaus, why did Jesus not appear in all His glory and convince the disciples that He was indeed the Son of God? Why did He take a whole evening walking with them, proving from the scripture that the Son of God had to die and He is the Son of God. Why did He have to do that? Couldn't He show up all His glory? Because He doesn't want you to walk by glory, but He wants you to walk by revelation. Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have you not seen me? Don't you know that He has seen me has seen the Father? Are you trying to say that I am less glorified than my father? You see me, you have seen my father. So the familiar Jesus is an exalted Jesus. The rich man and Lazarus, uh, rich man and, sorry, the rich man and Abraham, when the rich man is in hell, in torment, calls upon to Abraham and says, please send Lazarus to my brother so at least they will believe him when they see him that he is raised from the dead. Abraham tells him what? They have the Moses at the law, or they have the word, but their word is enough. Even if Lazarus comes up from the dead, they will not believe, if they have not believed the word. If you don't believe God's word, you don't have revelation of God's word, if God appears in all his glory, he's not going to change your situation. The word is enough. The disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration heard this voice, you know Jesus got transfigured, and his face became bright, his clothes were transformed, and he started glittering. The voice came from heaven, and the voice said two things. While Peter was telling Jesus that time what? Peter was saying, wow, this looks great. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And while he was telling this, this cloud comes through, and this voice thunders from heaven and says what? Says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. When all the glory is gone, and when you come down from the mountain, all that matters is, listen to Him. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. When God tells you stuff, listen to Him. Because that stuff is more important than all the glory that you long for. Glory will catch up to obedience. Glory will catch up with this. All the drama and the power that was shown on the Mount of Transfiguration was shown for 
for this money one purpose to declare to the disciples that this is my son here that's it in fact peter recollects this incident long later and in second peter chapter 1 verse 16 to 19 peter talks about the glory he says we have not followed cunningly devised fables when i told you about the glory that we saw on that mountain but that glory confirmed the prophetic word that was already in you in us he says the word of god and peter talks about it there and if you have patience you can go there later on in your apostle bible study this is the word of god is like a lamp shining in a dark place until the morning star rises up in your heart what does that mean it sounds very complicated it only means that the word of god that you are reading today in your personal star time is like a lamp in a dark place you will not need it when the sun is up you know when the sun is going to be up when jesus comes when jesus comes the sun will be up you will know everything but till then this word of god that you handle is a lamp in a dark place and let it confirm to you but the day will come when the sun will appear you don't need this lamp because you will know all things but till then this prophetic word is a lamp in a dark place so do not despise it do not despise it let me come back to the same statement beyond glory into revelation into obedience it is the same voice that you heard on mount sinai which now speaks to you it is the same voice it is the same voice listen to me listen to me everything brothers and sisters that you are fighting for in your personal life the challenges that you are facing is already given to you by the great and exceedingly great promises that people first people talk about second people talk about everything that you need for your business everything that you need for your health every everything that you need for your salvation of your loved ones everything that you need for a scheduling problem in your workplace as simple as that everything that you need for prosperity anything that you need to pray for your investments everything that you need to pray for your safe house in cambodia every resources everything is away is already given to you in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus so let it not be drama we now walk in and take it because all of earth earth belongs to the lord he's the possessor of heaven and earth and i am known by that name i am known by that name he is a possessor therefore i am a possessor possession is a good thing because he they accuse god of possessing first so if it's a good thing for god it's a good thing for me because i am associated with him i am associated with him i'm telling you operate with faith as a servant operates for you operates for you will you do that start at walking in your faith lord i mean i'm talking about my own life start believing god and don't easily get doubt to compromise hang on and say no lord i'm going to wait on what you say because your word is more sure than the easy way i know that you will provide because your word is enough your word is enough your word is enough i want to go from glory to revelation to obedience glory to revelation to obedience i want to repeat after me glory to revelation to obedience 
and you will go and you will, God will create appointments for you because now you trust him. He, he can trust you. You can trust him. That relationship is nothing sweet. And don't hunger just up for glory, glory, glory. See, Lord, I want your revelation on who you are. And then I fall. I didn't I don't have so many more passages, so many more verses that Paul talks about. We don't have time today. But if you ask me privately, I'll give you those verses. But Paul says, Revelation like I've never seen from God, I've not shared with you. Why? Because he refused to be stuck on your glory. He said at one place, he says, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. But I have gone from revelation of the gospel for the Gentiles. Revelation of the gospel to the Gentiles first came to Paul. To Paul. Because of revelation, he trusted. And God is going to reveal great things for you all of you. And if you are struggling with some areas, say, say to God, God, give me a revelation. Where am I doing wrong? Teach me, Lord. I want to correct myself. Because I know you're good. Because when you, when God, when, when Moses asked me, show yourself, you showed him your name and your characteristic. And the characteristic that he loved to show was not a God of judgment. He said, I'm a God of loving kindness and eternal mercy. Of all the things that he chose to show Moses, he chose to show that he's a good God and a loving God and a merciful God. Let's pray. Father, now we take authority over every situation right now in the name of Jesus. Father, your word says, O Lord, that we operate with our faith just like the servant works for us, O Lord. Father, we don't need great faith. We want you have said on your word that to everyone has been given the measure of faith. Therefore, Lord, we stand on that faith concerning every need in this room. Every need of Esther, Lord, every challenge that looks difficult. Every, every, every breakthrough that needs to happen, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time to release that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I see a marriage happening soon. Oh, Lord, I see a marriage that is going to happen soon. Lord, I see a marriage that is going to happen soon. For you have said you waited long. But I have already ordained that person. Oh, but be obedient and stand. And you will see the revelation that I bring to you, says the Lord. There's some, somebody out here who's sat with an empty pot waiting for rain for many years, saying, when will my pot be full? The Lord says, and it's a lady, it says, you be not be discouraged, for the days of rain are here, and I will pour out so much rain that your pots will overflow and you will be able to water other pots, says the Lord. Your pots will not only overflow, but they shall not break, says the Lord. But I will pour from your pot and you will be a source of ministry like you never, you always wanted, you always dreamt, and you always hungered. And you said, give me your glory, Lord. Let those miracles happen in my life that I've seen in the life of other people. Lord says, because you have hungered, and you have purposefully served after me, you will see a 
for manifestation of a living water flow that flow from your soul and fill your water pots and the water pots of others just like I promise the Samaritan woman. Says the Lord. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. I see somebody out here who has an idol in their house. You must have kept it unknowingly or because it has, an, it has, it has, it has, it has, it has, um, um, it has, uh, you have a longing for it or because that idol, you thought did something for him and you are afraid of that idol. But the Lord says, do not be afraid of principalities and powers and idols. For I who comes under you will reign with you and you will reign in life like Christ Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Praise you. I see somebody who has a headache that comes and goes, that comes and goes. And the Lord says, here will be a time that you mark me, that I am a Lord that healeth you, that you shall touch me and you will receive my miracle. Not because I never didn't want you, but you choose to receive it in faith. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. I see somebody has a problem with his workplace, fellow mate, and there's politics in their, uh, in their office. And the Lord says that if you stand wisely, I will put words in your mouth and I will give you counsel uh, that every, no tongue formed against you shall prosper and every, every uh, uh, ambushes that they set against you shall fail in your company and I will exalt you and I will honor you like Mordecai, says the Lord. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. I worship you. I thank you, Master. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. There is somebody out here who said, Lord, why is it delaying so much? Is it like terror? Am I the person who is delaying it? Is it because uh, I am a guy who always faces delay in every area of my life? But Lord says, do not let your name be called terror. Let it not be called um, uh, yeah, evil, but let it be called a blessing. Blessing, I will change your name. I will change your name. Do not call yourself what you call yourself. Call yourself what I have called you. Three years back, says the Lord. For I called you and I blessed you and I called you out of a dark place and you saw my glory and you rejoiced for a time. But now you are discouraged. It's not because my glory has departed, but because you have let a spirit of depression come upon you. For is it just like I told Moses that have I not planted the ear? Have I not planted the eye? Is, is my eye blind that I cannot see? Is my hand too short that I cannot heal? <coughs> Trust me, says the Lord. Your breakthrough is already come. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Master. We thank you, Master. Lord, we pray for all our children, oh Jesus. We thank you for our children, oh Lord. We rebuke the power of the enemy upon their life in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, if we demonic powers that are created strongholds in the life of our children, Lord, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Satan, you have no authority over the life of our children. You have no authority. We mark or hedge of protection by the blood of Jesus around our loved ones, oh Master. About our loved ones, oh Lord. About our loved ones, oh Jesus. Loved ones, oh Jesus. We shall not touch them, oh Master. The power shall not touch them, O oh Master. Healing, O oh Master. Healing, O oh Jesus. In the life of our loved ones, O oh Master. 
in the life of our children, Lord Jesus. Healing, O Master. Healing, O Lord. Unusual miracles, O Lord. This season, unusual miracles shall be bountiful for this life team, O Jesus. Bountiful for this life team, O Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Oh, we worship you. We thank you. Thank you. I'll kiss the Lord says, do not be discouraged. Oh, Lord, for you contended much. And you prayed much. But the door has been made wide and prepared for you, says the Lord. And it is an ornamental door. And you will see when it comes up, says the Lord. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Master. But we need, need O oh Lord, this evening, time, O oh Master. But we especially pray for Robert and you, O oh Master. We worship you. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Master. David, David, David. We just pray for Robert and you. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We thank you, O oh Master. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we bless you. We bless you. Oh, we worship you, Master. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you. Oh, my Father, we thank you for Rob and Nikki, Father, for your life. Oh, Father, we thank you, Father, for the future, Lord, for the future. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the grace, Lord, that you have given to them, Lord, to accomplish much for your oh, kingdom. Yes, so today, oh. Father, we agree together with you, Lord, that the things that they have purposed oh, yes, for the future, Lord, that as oh. we agree together in prayer, Lord, that you are going to accomplish it. Oh, yes, that you are going to accomplish every purpose, Lord, that they have uh, set before you, Lord, oh, yes, for their future, Lord. Because oh, yes, Father, eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard what oh, yes, God has prepared, Lord, for those who love you, Lord. Father, you have they have put they put everything, Father, before your presence. Lord. We just agree together, Lord, in prayer today. You are going to bless them. You are going to encourage them. You are going to lift them up, Lord, into a, towards a higher level than, than what they have seen before. And Father, even for Nikki, Father, when she has placed her life before your presence, Lord, Lord, you will lift her up, Lord, towards the level, Lord, that you have called her to come up to. So today, Father, we declare all of your glory and your grace, Father, over this couple, over the children, over this household, so that your kingdom will come, your will will be done, and your purposes, Father, accomplished, Father, over them. The Father, the love that you have taken them and that you are taking them into, Father, we just believe, Lord, that it's going to be greater than what they have seen before. Thank you, Jesus. We believe it, Father, and we trust you, and we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.